good happy tuesday everyone it is aaron and my boy jacob what's going on i'm your boy you're my is boy that, now is that, is that my title now yeah officially you're the boy or my boy whatever you prefer I'm the boy well 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 <laughs> and anyways this is the juke joint episode number six i think we're on already yeah number six okay i'm surprised we made it this far of all the podcasts i've done before i've tried to go this far but usually everyone bails out this point so well, we've we've kept track yeah, you got you got a new partner here is very tenacious doesn't give up that easily <laughs> so uh, how's your week been so far? My week has been busy. It's been crazy busy. I've now, for those of you who don't know, I've been um, now in my final real official semester of college, which means all of the heavy lifting and work is going on at this very moment. And then between that and making sure I have episodes of a gaming show edited every week to go out on every weekend, it's quite restless energy and i haven't had a chance to really break or anything i've got like uh i'm I'm in the middle of helping someone develop their own uh show so i've got like about four different projects all running at the same time you keep yourself extremely busy i've noticed i it's amazing how many different directions the human body can stretch (laughs) <laughs> well you got four shows you're working on you got college not to mention whatever else you have going on just like with daily life things i mean just yeah, it's impressive right. keeping up like that it's it's one of those things that i almost am amazed i don't just like have a just breakdown my heart just doesn't stop and i collapse down dead <laughs> i think that i think the moment is soon approaching possibly <laughs> oh man but for now i'm just gonna keep riding this coast of adrenaline <laughs> how about you aaron how's your week been so far uh, it's just the usual week had work again of course i feel like I, that's i feel like it's how it usually goes i kind of fall into the routine of like trying to get through the work week and then at my three days that i have off i'm just like trying to get as much stuff done as possible so um i spent yesterday just kind of like relaxing around trying to find something to do for the because the weather here is it's it's finally settled into the cold pacific northwest rainy season it's been like kind of warm up until now so now it's kind of getting down to freezing and stuff which is no fun so getting outside is not really an option as much uh so i'm just kind of sitting around watching videos and stuff and i've got all these ideas and stuff i want to do floating in my head with photo video projects and then you know you know the band and then other music stuff as well so just that's kind of what i've been doing today is playing around with uh trying to because i still want to write stuff for the band and um Trying to demo that out is difficult when I live in an apartment complex. I can't really crank up the guitar and, and start wailing. So I got to find ways to do it more quietly through my computer and that sort of thing. So that's been my my entire morning was doing research on that. I Can I just comment that like you, you have this fascination? I don't know why this is, but I think this is now like the sixth episode where I've asked you, how's your week going? And you open with a description of the weather. <laughs> Oh, it's all well. It's 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 fascinating how this is now. Even in the test episodes, like you, I would say, "How's life?" and you would tell me about how the weather is. Well, I'm, I, don't, I focus on the weather a lot, especially it's, it's fascinating. Like, there's not like the life events are secondary. Like the work on <laughs> oh, the the audio and the video and the band stuff and all these things. I'm researching. I'm doing all this, but let me tell you, the weather here. Oh, the weather. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was the what, what, this fascination you have? Like, well, it's, you know, yeah, last week it was sunny, but today it's rainy. And yeah, you know, what? Like, it's like since I moved out here and I've got this job working at this warehouse, like I, I've, I found myself appreciating the small things like the weather more often. You're just like, ah, that's a cumulonimbus cloud up there. Uh, How yesterday I saw a cloud with a swirl. That was cool. Oh wow, <laughs> those swirly clouds, my favorite. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the this job is not really too exciting. So I like I, I take a lot of of joy in looking at the little things. So so the weather is the little is, is become an important thing to me. Yes. So, but anyways, yeah, that's that's pretty much how my week's been. That's probably what I'm going to do the rest of the day t- of today, and then tomorrow was actually on a, tomorrow. I might do something different, but we'll see. Well, look yeah. at that. So he's he's living the high life every day. Is something different. <laughs> Finally got the, uh, the we had a Christmas tree up until last weekend, so uh, we, we and it was like this massive pine tree that barely fit in the apartment in terms of like how high it was, but we crammed it in here and we finally took it down the other day. It was didn't realize how full of spiders it was, so we had like an apartment Ugh. full of spiders and now we don't. Oh god! Um, actually, uh, you, you get used to them, so they kind of became friends. So. <laughs> So. Yeah, but it's not like a Charlotte's Web situation, you know. They're not no. writing out like you know, love no. in webbing. Like we threw out the pine tree. I took the vacuum around and 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 sucked them all up, and that was that was the end of that story. So now I feel like I got this massive apartment with all the space I forgot I had. So I'm awful with kind of basking in that. I'm just awful with decorations. I have this thing where every holiday season I have this like little tube of lights that uh-huh. I just wrap around my bedroom and I just plug them in. So then the wall's like this blue and red thing going on. It's really nice, yeah. but I just I never bother even putting them away. So like for eleven for like the whole year, there'll just be this like tube of lighting on the border of my room. <laughs> and I just never bother unplugging it in. And then December I'm like, okay, just time to plug this in. <laughs> there it is. You should do what uh, what Zane does and just have the little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I think it's the only this real decoration thing. he breaks out every year. I might be wrong, but I feel like that's that's usually how it goes. We have this reef in front of my house, and like we'll just put it up for like half a year. <laughs> Never bother <laughs> taking it down. Can't be bothered. Just like oh, whatever. <laughs> but uh, so I know we were talking earlier this week. We're like, even though we're six episodes in, we're like short tracked on ideas just because we. I mean, you've been busy, and I don't. But I, I think. I, I think what's happening is that you and me are profoundly busy doing like a million things. We've yeah. got ideas for some things that require some delicate uh, scheduling, which we mm-hmm. have not been practicing at all. Yeah. And I think it's it's less and, – and, you know, I would say we because we've been basing the show now off of like keeping up with what's happening in pop culture and everything else – it's we've been on a bit of a lull. There hasn't been too much like big news, or at least news that I can recognize as being big. That's been yeah, happening. or or just stuff to want to talk about in general. I mean, there's there's there are some things out there you could talk about, but I mean, just not really interesting, you know. Behind you. Oh yeah, it's that clock again, the, the infamous <laughs> clock. Since we changed times, it's no longer a regular whatever. I forget what bird it was before, but now it's just a great horned owl. So. I was, like, I was gonna say like that was definitely like someone is in the background going. Mm-hmm. There's someone <laughs> screaming outside with making owl noises. That's. I've gotten used to the fact that I always hear gunshots outside my place because I live in the forest, so there's always some hunter outside, like trying to. I was gonna say, I hope it's not like it's not just like some sort of like it's not like you're in a bad part of town. No, I don't live in New York. I mean, I don't live in like an apartment on the Lower East Side, and you're like. <laughs> 
good just always used to hearing like outside like it's i'm i'm secluded away from society and yet i still hear like gunshots outside my house on a regular basis (laughs) there's a strange obsession we've got with violence in our culture and uh, i've just gotten acclimated to that (laughs) so all right so this week I know we ended up deciding we were going to talk about, and, I, and something I think it's really cool to talk about is, and it's because it kind of sets up the foundation for not just how you and I met, but uh, kind of a lot of things that spurred, like the reason this podcast spurred was because of of our time working at U92. Yes. Uh, so let's give, let's, let's talk about U92. Yeah. This week, this week, anyone listening to this point, um, first of all, thanks. Second of all, um, it's going to be story time this week. It's not going to be anything exciting unless you want a cool, fun story, which in that case, it's going to be fun. So uh, I want to point out that you said it's not going to be exciting unless you want something that's cool and exciting. I think that's a bit of a running rings around. Hey, we're not yeah. here. We're not here to be perfect. We're here to we're here to throw out audio on the web. We're, we're certainly not here to be perfect. We're most definitely not here to be perfect. I'm sitting here with like half a glass of water and a bunch of chocolate I got recently. So that's he's chowing down on those He's just he's munching away. He's got his chocolate. <laughs> he feels peanut butter crisp. Mmm. <laughs> no, sorry, peanut describe, butter. Crisp. Describe to me the chocolate, Aaron. What kind of chocolate are you chowing down on now? This is the AMS, ASMR part of the podcast. Where I get close to the microphone and talk about chocolate. No, but... Uh, and in the ASMR part of this podcast, Aaron's going to chew chocolate real close to the mic and uh, real... Okay, I don't... <laughs> a real pleasurable way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. So, uh, I know. So, I feel like I told you my part of of U ninety two a good bit, or maybe I haven't. I don't know. I I don't know too much about. I know like your precursor to U ninety two, but like your early years at U ninety two and kind of building up to the point of where I left, because I know pretty much everything that happened after that. But kind of between that time, minus working with you, you know. Um, so have we already talked about how each of us got to U ninety two. I think you talked about it on an earlier episode, but if you kind of want to recap and, and give some more details on your side of things, because I I don't know if I've talked about mine too much, but I've got a little bit of of backstory to that. Well, okay. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I think we've already talked about like how we first knew about United 2. Why don't you talk about your first uh, year there? And okay. then I can jump in later because you were there first. So let's do this a bit chronologically. Okay. So talk about how was the first year at U92 for you, Aaron? The first year was super cool. So I was coming in. Um, This was the precursor to kind of getting it, it was kind of the start of like there was some there was some rough things going on just because I think when you have a bunch of college kids running an operation like that, you're going to have issues anyways. Um, so that was nothing new. I don't think that's ever anything. That's never been anything that's been different than, you know, what's happened throughout the history of the station. Um, but you know, I met a lot of cool characters, um, who cool characters. <laughs> I don't Skip think any of them. Laughing gnome and 
<laughs> I don't think any of them actually went on to do radio professionally. They just kind of were there to to do their thing and then move on. Just slackers. <laughs> but they did a cool job. I mean, that was, some of those people were part of the reason. I think. Yeah, I think I would I would say they're part of the reason we eventually won that CMJ award. Even though there's a lot of a lot of credited work for like the the team who accepted the CMJ award, you know, they kind of, I mean, they did a lot of work as well, but I think with now for those of, uh, for those in the audience who don't know, what is a CMJ award? No, (laughs) CMJ was a, uh, it was kind of like the billboard of, um, of, of college radio. So it was kind of keeping tabs on like indie music and all that. Uh, A lot of college radio stations would chart and, uh, you know, you have your different charts of the week and in the year and all that on CMJ. And, um, yeah, they kind of I don't know what happened. They just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth one day and, and They did like the year after the station won the award, right? Yeah, we we won station of the year and then it was like it wasn't even a few months later I think that that the whole operation just folded. So then let me ask you this. Does that mean A U92 will forever be college radio station of the year? It will always be number 1. <laughs> Or two, do you think U92 killed CMJ? Like they gave the award for best college radio station and the world went nope and just pulled the plug. I know exactly um, what happened. So <laughs> it was uh, – and I, and I wish there was video of this to prove it. So, and I, I'm confident it happened. I just haven't seen it. So I'm kind of bummed that I've never got a chance to experience it myself. But Cody Rowe, when he did his, his acceptance speech for um, – I think he won specialty director – because he was running, he was running uh, Urban Diner, which was U92's yeah. hip hop show. Yeah, yeah. So he he won award for that for like best specialty show director in the country, which was awesome. I think we walked away with three awards that year, and that was one of them. But apparently, he went out there and was like, "Yeah, this award's pointless. CMJ is pointless. You know, this whole thing sucks." <laughs> it was kind of the gist of the of the acceptance speech. Well, that was kind of the gist of U92. <laughs> yeah, everyone was just kind of rebellious. There was never this, like, we, we would win these awards, and there was never this, like, real, none of us were ever like, oh, look at how wonderful we are, we've won mm-hmm. this award. We were very much like, fuck the whole thing, fuck this yeah. place, this sucks. But I, I, like to credit, I, like to, I like to credit Cody giving that speech to the fact that CMJ went down because he trashes them, and then they ended up disappearing from the face of the earth. So, so. you think that they awarded Cody Rowan with this award, and then he went in there and assassinated the entire institution, <laughs> and they just never recovered from it? I think it's exactly what happened. It wasn't it wasn't the severe financial setbacks they had from overinvesting in it. It was Cody Rhodes' speech. Do you think do you think he advertises that? Do you think that's something he goes around? Hi, my name's Cody Rhodes and I killed the college music journal. <laughs> I don't know, but I sure hope he does. You think that he is like that's his badge of honor is that he like yeah. brought an organization down to its knees? <laughs> oh man. And now he's living in, I think he's living in Texas now or something like that. So maybe he could do it with, with South by Southwest. Oh, there you go. Now he's going to destroy that. He'll slowly infiltrate South by Southwest. He's going to go to South by Southwest and say, hey, uh, this isn't even South. We're, we're just mid center up in the North. This isn't even South by Southwest. But (laughs) no more festival, no more festival. Which, honestly, uh, with some of the South by Southwest headlines of the past, maybe that's not a horrible thing. <laughs> didn't didn't okay. like, people get run over the last one? Oh, probably. I mean, you, you, you try to cram that many people into downtown Austin. It's just 
I mean, I've not been to Austin, but I know roughly how big it is just from like seeing it in, in photos and, and people that have been there and stuff. It's I mean, not that huge, is it? No, it's got like one of the worst traffic problems in the country. I mean, you there, the, it's 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 a it's a city that that's kind of yeah, everyone's kind of it's it's like it's like where I'm moving up to here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of land up here, so it's not as bad. But you know, some of those developed cities like like uh, Austin and uh. I don't know. I can't think of any other good examples off the top of my head, but you know, there's a lot of land there, but there's already a bunch of stuff that's developed and no money to develop more. And you have people coming in. There's just, you, you can't, you can't fit that many people in one place. It's just, there's too much overcrowding. You need to diversify it out. I think if you're going to go to South by Southwest, the most accessible way to travel around the festival is like helicopter, you know, that you can't walking is hard enough, let alone trying to drive through there. One of my favorite one of my favorite things about uh, kind of on that topic was seeing this this article in this on this website a while back about Roswell Kid, mm. um, where basically the gist was they and it was also like a song release for them, so it was like a promotional thing. But the the, the article was talking about how they're going to South by Southwest and they're trying to find a parking spot and they drive to like Kansas or something like that and then they finally find a parking spot in Kansas for South by Southwest and then they have to walk back to Texas and play mm. their set. <laughs> yeah so that that's that's kind of how i just picture south by southwest being it's just, just well, a crazy yeah, hectic yeah. thing we got to park so far away to to do whatever it is you got to do so mm. so yeah but anyways back on u92 because we got way sidetracked there oh no um, i think it was worth it so your <laughs> first your first year we were still on that yeah met a lot of cool characters i came in as uh as a dj and i did production and my my shift for the first pretty much the first couple years, well, the first three semesters at least, I think. I was doing Sunday, Sunday night, Monday morning, roughly. So my very first shift was 3 a.m., and then I got moved back to midnight on Sunday, and then I was finally doing 9 to midnight or 10 to midnight. I think it was 10 to midnight because I had a specialty show up until 10. So, yeah, the the first few semesters were rough, but I, I mean – Everyone who works there as a DJ has to go through the the ringer as you know working the late night DJ shift once a week. So it is a gradual process. My first three semesters where I went from three to six in the morning, which was hell, to like midnight to three in the morning, which was less hell because then I could at least go to sleep. Yeah. Then it was uh, nine to midnight, and then I finally got to just do like afternoon shifts and things like mm-hmm. that. My, that first semester was absolutely terrible for me I mean, because it was fun to DJ and stuff. But, you know, I, I was I was an honors hall, so I had to walk probably a good 20 minutes to get to the mountain there. And especially in like the wintertime, it was a nightmare. But, you know, I, I'd go back to my dorm room, fall asleep, wake up like I'd sleep from like 11 to like 2.30, get up, walk to the station, do my thing, walk back home, fall back in bed for like an hour, then go to class at like 8.30. I mean, it was it was no fun. <laughs> It was a fascinating thing for me because I I wasn't living well I was living on campus but I had zero interest in walking from my dorm to the station at like three mm-hmm. in the morning. So yeah. for that first year, I would be going to my shift from my place and I'd be driving the car over to the station. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I came to really dislike Sirius XM. Why is that? I, because I realized after driving the same route the same time on the same day every week, mm-hmm. I went, oh, this is a format. Like this is a set format. They have a playlist for every day. 
and they're repeating it every day. And I was, <laughs> like, I, I swear there was some song from Jeffro Tall that I heard at the same exact minute on the same exact day of the week at the same exact point for like for at least five weeks. Wow. And I went, they are repeating the same stuff again and again and again. This is a loop. <laughs> I have to change the channel. And that's when I stopped really listening to satellite radio because I went, wow, this is so formatted and it's like so repetitive that it's actually not as uh, game-changing as you're led to believe by their ads. Yeah. They have it really planned out. Like here's our rotation for the whole week and we're just going to keep repeating this again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ugh, don't know about all that. <laughs> so yeah, but the, those 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 midnight shifts were absolutely miserable. But uh, but you I mean it's 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 it something like you go through. What's that? It, it feels like with those midnight shifts or those like really like late night twilight zone shifts, is mm-hmm. that you almost feel like you're DJing into an echo chamber. Yeah. You know that the po- the vast majority of the people who are listening to the station, which you never even know if there are anyway. Yeah. Like I never really got stats on how many people are listening. I always felt like I was just off in my own little corner of the room playing these records to myself. Even yeah. in the hours where there were people listening, I still mm-hmm. felt that way. But like late at night, you're like, okay, who is actually like awake and listening to this radio station? Mm-hmm. And who is like, uh, like if they're listening in, have they not just like passed out on their couch and the radio is just on? Yeah, I like, think I got of my entire time doing like shifts between like midnight and six a.m. Like pretty much my entire first year there, I think I got two request calls during those times, and one was some dude from Virginia, and I, I forget what the story was, but he was basically rattling off to me about perpetual energy and, and just <laughs> these absolutely insane things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Next song. Bye. So I finally, yeah, I got through that call just fine. And then I got one from, um, it was like two in the morning one day and, uh, I'm playing a song and I get a phone call and I answer it and it's, it's Alex Gavol and he's like, Hey, you're doing a good job. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Thanks. Like, why aren't you at work? <laughs> I haven't seen you in months. And, uh, yeah, and it was like around a 2 a.m. call, and that's, I think it's like the last time I ever heard from him before he died. But, uh, <laughs> but those, I had, the only two, those are the only two, the only two times I was absolutely certain that someone was listening to the station. Besides had, that, I'm pretty sure it was the echo chamber. I had one request come in mm-hmm. during the times where I was like doing like midnight to three, and it was from one of the DJs there, a guy by the name of Jet, or that was like his nickname at the station. Mm-hmm. And he calls the request line at like one in the morning. And I pick up the phone and I go, hello, this is U92. And I just hear back. It's great. And I went, uh, what? <laughs> and he was like so blackout drunk. <laughs> And he was like, you gotta play I went, okay, sure, I'll try to play it. <laughs> and I just never did. I had no clue. What, and I think he probably like passed out like after hanging up the phone. <laughs> that dude was dedicated to the station. I think it was um 
he had like a radio in his bathroom for what I remember. Cause he always had parties at his house, you know, people were over oh, there yes. often and stuff. Every time I'm over there, he's Should got we? a radio in his bathroom and it's always, it's always, um, U92 or like the oldies, like the AM oldies station when it was still oldies. Mm, what is it now? It's, um, what is it? 90, 92.1 Morgan. It's like, uh, 80s, uh, 90s, 2000s pop playlist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant the AM station as opposed to the FM one. I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they, they flipped the AM and then translated to an FM signal. So the, so 1300 AM is still the same still as 92.1. Yeah. Mm. But the oldie station is just completely gone now. Ah, that's unfortunate. Much to the dismay of the Sunday church listening crowd that was... That, that apparently I didn't have to deal with that, but uh, that was, was actually that was the church I went that. to. Really? Did you know that? Yeah, that was the <laughs> the the church that I went to when I was a more religious boy in my younger days. Uh, we got we went to the Wesley Church, and they would broadcast on the oldie station from eleven to twelve. Yeah, so all the um all the older folks over at the uh, what's the, what's the name of that retirement manor? It's like right behind Little General. Um, near Arnold uh, Hall, South, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. But like everyone calling from there, like not happy that the that the not just that the oldie station is gone, but they can't listen to the church service every Sunday. Mm. So uh, you know how people get. With the one guy who worked that shift on Sunday mornings had to yield all his phone calls, and that was uh, that's unfortunate. Not fun for him. Should we talk also because we brought it up briefly? Should we talk about the sort of what I called the U ninety two after hours scene? that most definitely existed for like you know a good long while and still kind of does to a degree should we talk about that let's say so it's exciting enough so here's the thing for as progressive as u92 was and for as much as it wanted to embrace the modern age and all these things the people there when the time came would party like it was the 1970s (laughs) i mean like i the first time i went there to, the first time I went to a U92 party was at this one guy's place. He lived up on the like top of a giant hill. So it was like the, winded myself getting there anyway. <laughs> and immediately it was like this great rush of like, you know, drinking on the first floor and you go down to the basement and some other things were happening. Oh my and, God. Oh, I know exactly what party you're talking about. Yeah, and I went to that and was pretty terrified. <laughs> I have to I have to be honest. There was someone who said, Oh, the great thing about U ninety two is that we're our own fraternity. We're our own like Greek life thing. And I went, uh oh. <laughs> Because I was I never wish, into I wish that. For, I wish that was a joking statement, but it's it's honestly it's, the truth. It's true. I mean, the thing for me, which is fascinating, is that for as much as I idolized the music of the 70s and all those artists who went well over the top in their excess, I never could really uh, attach myself to that too heavily. It was always bizarre to me, the college thing. I mean, I'm still technically in it. And every time I go to these college parties, I'm just like, <laughs> I feel out of place. You know? Because I have to always drive back into the middle of the woods at like three in the morning. And I'm like, well, I didn't really want to be <laughs> sloshed and trying to do that. So, but it was, it was one of those things like you, I remember one time there was a party at your place when you were in Morgantown and you <laughs> had installed these colored lights in your apartment. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. And yep. And I've got footage of it actually floating around of just this like, great 
excess of like this table that's got like about 20 different like beer bottles oh my god yeah that's the thing it's it's, it's, none of my roommates there worked at the station i don't think any of them were involved in any way but they but they absolutely loved the party so (laughs) what's that i said there was this kind of like streak of hedonism that was running through the whole the united (laughs) two crowd we went well over the top you know oh man well was that the first time I ever had a chance that you were talking about that party? Because I could talk about that party for a while because that was that was a party. Uh, I remember. Well, I don't know what it was the first time for for you. I think it might have been the first time I'd been to your place. I think but, so. Um, well, I moved around every year. I think you'd been to all of my places at some point. I haven't been to this one that you're at now. That's true. <laughs> I, I know that whichever one you're in before you moved to Tacoma. So, <laughs> so um. Let me think. Okay, so that party, I think the one you're talking about with the, the colored lights and stuff, my roommate, she, I guess her and her husband, they um, they both have pretty cool jobs. They have a little bit of income. So she she bought these Philips Hue, I forget what brand. I think that's what the brand is. But you can control the colors from your phone, like with an app. And they have all these cool features and stuff. And there's like a party mode where you just like, you, you use this app and you hit like randomize and it just starts playing like party lights, just randomizing, flashing in different colors and stuff. Then they have this big speaker system, so music's booming and like everyone's going nuts. And this house has four floors, so you know the second floor is just kind of like all the bedrooms. So everyone's just kind of like avoiding that one, unless you need to go to the bathroom. And like the first floor is booming, the basement's booming, and then like the the attic I like to describe as like the sin attic because we have this big attic with like a bunch of empty space. And I it did look a bit like really seedy up there. <laughs> it, 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 it is super seedy up there. That's why only there's only one person in the house ever used it. He uses like an art space. He'd like go up there and like hang out and, and do his thing. Um, but during this party, it was like I just I just describe it as the sin room because it was just just I don't want to mention the stuff that happened up there. I don't it think was. I want to know everything that happened up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, just this absolutely massive space and the absolute wildest party I've ever been to because because I didn't drink that night. You know, I was the host. so I was trying to play. You know, keep everyone off the sidewalk, running around. Yeah, I think at one point, I think at one point, like you just retired to your room, and I had to go find you and be like, "Hey, are you doing okay?" <laughs> oh yeah. Well, because I'm I'm because I'm, I'm a pretty heavy introvert, so you know yeah. when I have and that I mean there was what and you saw how big that house was. It was built in like 1900 or something. It's it's an old house. I mean, it was and, in a neighborhood that has a lot of old houses in it. Like there's yeah, a, and that. It, the funny thing about WVU is that if you're not living in a dorm, a lot of the college kids are living in this neighborhood th- where the houses are like cheap to rent because they've been around for like a hundred years. Yeah, it's historically. So, I think it's historically the poor section of Morgantown. So oh yes, it's all been well, converted into student housing. It's not like the straight up poverty section of Morgantown, but it is like above it. It's yeah. actually you can see the wage gap in that like neighborhood. Literally, because the fervor, the fervor up the hill you the get. Wage gap. Well, no, I'm I'm dead serious because the fervor up that hill you get in this neighborhood, it's like on the side of a hill, and the fur the, the fervor mm-hmm. up the top of the hill you get, the more well off the neighborhood becomes. Mm-hmm. It's like yep. all these, like all these lawyers live on like the really top end of it, and then below them is like the college kids and all the locals, and then below that is like all the like really like low income 
neighborhood and stuff. Down and, to, like, then, and then even bit. further than that, you're just straight up in the ghetto. Yeah, well, I say like, you pass out, like you down to like the, the creek and, and the rail trail and stuff. And that's just where like, you know, that's just where everyone who's homeless lives. Yeah, they're like all living nice under progression the up the hill. Yeah. So, I mean, it's literally like if you want a visual example of the wage gap in Morgantown, you go to this neighborhood. Yeah, start at the bottom, walk up, and you'll see what we're talking like, about. Everything gets more and more deluxe. <laughs> you walk past the high school, and then suddenly you're in the neighborhood with all the lawyers. <laughs> but, no, this, uh, but this house that we were in was, I mean, it, it's a four-bedroom house, so it's pretty – it's got a good amount of space, but it's not really that big in the first place because it's four bedrooms 100 years ago. So yeah. I'd say overall pretty small, and, and you know, of course, we got a little bit of a yard too, but you've got like – I think probably 70 or so people at this party. <laughs> I think I, 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 I didn't do an official head count. I kind of guesstimated between like people coming and going throughout the night. We had like 70 or 80 people, I think throughout the night. And, and then there was, I mean, you have like the, the party itself going on. There was like the mini band that was like me and John Casey. And I forget who else. I think it was Lindsay. Wasn't it? I think so. There was four of us, but I can't remember. And it was me and John, but I can't remember who else was in it. I've got footage of it, so I th- I can look back on it. I think. It oh, was, I need to see that. I think it was you, John Casey, Lindsay McCollum, and Pat McKay. Yeah. Okay, that I, might I be think, it. I yeah. think that was the lineup. Could be wrong, but I think that was what the lineup was. Yeah. If you have footage of that, I I want to see that <laughs> because oh, yeah. I don't it's, think I've ever- it sounds the the audio is not going to be good. But- That's all right. Because <laughs> I, I remember. Here's what I remember about that is I remember I was filming everything because I was working on. I had a film project that never went anywhere. It was too mm-hmm. freeform. But I was filming all the things that were going on around me. And there were a lot of things going on around me <laughs> at that party. <laughs> and I remember the head of marketing at U92 mm-hmm. like, turned and saw that I was uh, photographing some uh, explicit content and like put his hand over the lens and said, get out of here. <laughs> And I think that's when I said, well, if this is the scene that I'm leaving, I'm like, if, if now I can't have any fun, then I'm going home. Because the joke, <laughs> the joke with me and New 92 parties is that I was always the first to arrive and the first to leave. Because <laughs> I, I was polite and showed up on time. Yeah, I think you, you were the first person. I was pre-gamed, and I was the one who showed up sober and on time. Yeah, I think Left I know that particular part of you there for like, I think you're like half an hour early. You're just like, yeah, I'm bored. I'm just here. I'm like, okay. I had, I, it was one of those things where I had, I think I would show up early because it was like, I didn't know the neighborhood well enough to like be able to just show up whenever. Uh-huh. And honestly, I think it was like, I would then get really self-conscious about it and just wander around the neighborhood for like 15 minutes until like the sun had gone down. And I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm just going in. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I used to do that a couple of times. Yeah. And oh, be like that. So, I mean, that was, it, there was an interesting sort of dynamic. It still kind of exists, though it's diversified now because no one's at that station anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, is everyone still, of everyone you still know there, is it still, still pretty party heavy or is it pretty mild compared to what it, what it was? I think it's, well, there's only about two people I know who keep like holding parties of their own, and or at least the ones that I'm invited to. Uh huh. Um, and they're all like pretty mild affairs. They're not like over the top excessive like the U92 yeah. ones were. Well, I noticed once because everyone that I hung around with, and I think the people that I would go to these parties with, we were all the same age. 
And I think, you know, that was like sophomore, junior year of college. And like senior year, everyone was starting to wind down. The parties weren't really as intense. I mean, you'd have little shindigs here, here and there every now and then, but they weren't, they were, they were more like casual get togethers at that point than they were outright ragers. I've been debating between trying to, uh, I've been debating whether or not I'm going to try to hold a 23rd birthday party for myself yeah. this year. Because I, I did for my 21st, which was belated, and that one, I hope other people had fun. I just remember it as me running around a lot. <laughs> and then I didn't do anything for my 22nd. No, I did a live stream for my 22nd, which was a train wreck because the software crashed and no one was watching and it was like <laughs> really bad yeah so that's a drag and then i don't know if i'm gonna do anything for my 23rd because it's it's literally my 23rd is gonna be the day before spring break uh-huh it's like gonna be like the final day of classes before spring break is my 23rd and then oh, geez. like if people are around maybe i'll do something i don't know if people are gonna want to do anything but <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah but that that could be the only thing I really foresee in the future with a like big party thing happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, but other than that, yeah, it was crazy what U ninety two got up to. And then we would all come in to work and just <sighs> complain. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, at least maybe those were the final years. But like, oh, definitely more so towards the end. <laughs> I mean, like it was fascinating with me and with U ninety two. I. I got hired as a DJ and as production, even though I never did a single thing for production. <laughs> but I got hired as both of those things. And you know, it was like a crash course on like borderline music. Because <laughs> there, there, there were different eras music. is what I'm saying. Well, because here's the thing. There were different eras uh-huh. of different music directors and different program directors. And each of those eras had different characters to them. Yeah. So like um there was a time when it was the music director was uh uh this guy Nick whose last name I forget and then from him it was Emmy McIntyre. And Emmy was into like sort of indie uh folk and rock sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was the kind of music in when she was the music director. Mm-hmm. Then Nick Kobenhoog took over things. And that became <laughs> The, I mean, he's a wonderful person, and I got along fine with him. Mm-hmm. But I consider his era to be the moment when it was like, and let's get people to stop listening to the station. <laughs> he kept, he was so into this like avant garde, like art sound experimentation yeah. and would and would slip things in to rotation he got incredibly stingy about what people were allowed to play as their classic picks which oh, annoyed yeah. the heck out of me oh yeah i remember and that then, well especially you, it me being the remember, that's time, a great arguments i remember you that. and i would clash a lot i love the dude but we'd clash a lot <laughs> i remember one time you were djing and you walked out of the of the DJ studio and walked up to his desk and just asked him, why did you pick this? Why is this in the rotation? Because you, you were program director and he was music director. So in some sense, you had the superiority over him. But uh, you were like, why did you put this? In I forget rotation? which record it was, but I know exactly why I did that because it was 10 minutes of drone metal. And I'm like, 
this doesn't need to be played at three in the afternoon. This is ridiculous. Like, nobody wants to listen to the drone. Ma- the audience. Alternative this station. This is alternative music. Yeah, it's like okay. Alternative music is cool. This is, I guess, this is alternative music. But like ten minutes of drone metal on like the afternoon, like work. No, no, that's not. One, this is, that's not what we're doing here. This is like this is like later in the evening. There was one record he put in to rotation. It was in the hots, and I played a track off of it, and it was three minutes of banjos being tuned on a loop, and I thought it was the intro to an actual song. So I sat there. <laughs> Thinking, okay, well, this intro is going on for a long time, but then eventually they're gonna like actually do a song, right? Yeah. There's gonna actually be something of melodic content in this, and then it ended, and I went, okay, and then I had to sell it. That was a hard bit for me was that I would play a lot of stuff that I thought was trash, yeah, and just not even music, and shouldn't have been heard. Should have been in an art installation in a you know exhibit <laughs> hall somewhere, but not on the radio. Yeah. And then I would have to then be expected to sell it on their station and be like, wasn't that great what you just heard? <laughs> and I think sometimes I actually would go on the like like on the air and would end and go, well, that certainly was sound. <laughs> like I think I would sometimes be straight up like, well, you know, someone made it. <laughs> That's where you crack the mic and it's like U92 FM. What the hell? U92 FM we're music question mark (laughs) there's a scene from Futurama it's just one of my favorite ones because my girlfriend and I have been on a Futurama bench recently Mm -hmm. there's a scene where one of the characters uh, because Richard Nixon's the president in this TV show oh yes (laughs) but uh, there's a scene where one of the the general command I forget what his his title is but he he walks into the room and um, he's just like, Mr. President, what the hell? And I'm just thinking that that's exactly, I think it's a good fitting uh, quote to, to tie in with this. Because you'd be playing something on the radio and at the end of it, you're like, what the hell? Like, seriously, like, why, why did I really, play on this song? My mother used to get really annoyed with me because she, she wanted so desperately to support me in my endeavors. And she went, I just can't listen to your station. She's like, if you're not playing like a classic song, then I really hate what you have to play on that station. It's really bad. That's and, one. And, and the thing is, is that Copenhagen would have gone, exactly. That's the point. I don't want you listening, which blew my mind all, every single time he would say that. He I would know. say, I don't want the normies listening. I want this exclusive audience. And I went, we're a radio station. Why are we driving away the audience? <laughs> we we shouldn't we drive doing? away an audience. We're already a nonprofit, not making we're any like, new radio station. We want yeah. to build an audience. Not no, live. we want to build a certain audience. A lot of these people don't understand it, and it's above them, and they are below us. And we should increase the divide. I was always like, I will never, ever, ever understand your rationale of thinking. Why yeah. don't you want people to listen to this radio station? I know. <laughs> Only my art school friends can enjoy this. So, only my exclusive audience of four people a week. We get it. Everyone else is beneath us. I that always used to drive me up the wall. <laughs> and then, and then in my reign as program or not program APD, mm-hmm. um, then the music director shifted to Pat McKay. Yeah, and uh, it became very electronica, which was not bad. Interesting. <laughs> it's not my 
like inherent style, but mm-hmm. it was very much like a lot of electronic music started getting played there. And and I actually had to laugh at it to a degree because then if you hear Pat McKay's music, it makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's very much in that hip hop R and B genre world. So then it made perfect sense to me that then like a lot of keyboard and synth heavy things then became the U ninety two trademark when he took the reins as music director. There was a there was a point where it was um, I'm trying to remember who was music director, whoever it was at the time. Might have been J- uh, Jared Peterson, I think. So it was. Yeah. Um, yes, Jared. You know, there was come up the time where they needed an assistant music director. So I thought I'd make a shot. And else, this is still. I think I was a still assistant production director. I wasn't anything high up at the station at that point. I thought, well, maybe I should give this thing a crack. And I'm like talking to Jared because I want to make sure I'm like right for the position he basically was like i mean if you can't listen to a broad range of music and and you know create a diverse selection of, of, of music for on air then you know you might not want to go for this and i thought that i could but then i sit down i start listening to some of the stuff because just you know hanging out with him while he's like doing his job and i listen to some of the stuff that he that not only did they send him but the stuff he puts on air and i'm like i can't do this like i i think most of this is absolute shit <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's I can't do what, it. The lesson I got honestly was in my time at U92, the main lesson I learned was that there is so much mediocrity mm-hmm. that is released every year in the music business. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't matter if you're on a big label, it doesn't matter if you're independent. There is so much middle of the road mediocrity that gets put out mm-hmm. every day. And it's it's the great long swim through the garbage to then find <laughs> the the jewel hidden below the surface, mm-hmm. and that has to eventually rise to the surface and make you know something. But it is hard yeah. to find that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> for me, my time at U ninety two was a lot of gritting my teeth, doing and playing music that I did not particularly enjoy. So that way, then every weekend I could do the time warp show which was the classic rock program and then Mm -hmm. i just that gave me three hours of and now jacob's gonna play all of his favorite records for three hours and then and i always got a good reception from that too because i knew people were listening to that because i would get requests in and Mm -hmm. always it was people requesting things that either weren't time warp appropriate or just didn't have anything to do with what i was playing yeah so i i got and then um but I was getting like a good reception from Time Warp. It was like, that was the show that was like, ah, this is an enjoyable thing. And you and me actually uh, double DJed one of those shows once. Mm-hmm. Was it, Did we do all vinyl at that time? We did all vinyl. Uh, I remember that. I did and that. That was, your, that was your suggestion. You were like, let's do it all vinyl. And I went, okay. And I brought well, in my up. selection and you brought in yours. And Yeah. I did that because I did Time Warp my... During my freshman year, I think I did time warp for at least one weekend where myself and the program director at the time, her and I did uh, a whole three hours. There's nothing but like records we picked off the back shelf. And it was like the most fun experience I'd ever had because it was strictly that was the first time I'd ever done strictly any like, not just a record in the first place, but any, you know, a whole shift of records. It's just the mm-hmm. it's, it's a really cool experience because you're on your toes the entire time because you got to when you put one song on, you got to like get the next one queued up. And I mean, it's just, it's a process. It, it's, it it's is a process. And it's, it's this process that I think some people kind of can neglect or yeah. I have one memory. It's not one of my favorite memories, but I remember for 
it was either college radio day or record store day, but it was one of those. And the higher ups said, well, let's do the entirety of the day, all vinyl the whole oh, way wow. through. I remember that. <laughs> and yes, because it was you, me, and like maybe three other people who ended up DJing for like the whole day. And mm-hmm. it was because we were the only people on staff who knew how to properly like yeah. handle vinyl records. Yeah. I and mean, I did cool the opening bit and played nothing but classics because mm-hmm. I did not want to be like chancing it on the records I didn't know. Yeah. And I remember at one point, and we were doing it as a remote too. And for those of you who don't know, um, remotes in the radio is when you go out into like the public and broadcast around a crowd of people. So you're like right up in the audience face. And we had like some sports guys who like were new on the job and didn't know what to do. And we were having trouble with the remote equipment and all this other stuff. And I was busy trying to like plan out a playlist and get all the vinyl synced up and everything. And I think at one point I was in there trying to cue vinyl and there were like at least five different people all like asking me questions about what do I do now? What do I do now? I think at one point I just like shouted at them, just please, I need to focus on this. Just (laughs) back off, man. Just go away. I think the manager was one of the people I actually shouted. I was like, you need to leave. Let me focus on doing my job. Because <laughs> I, I, after a while, it's like, I cannot like function. There's too much. There's like overload of the senses. I have to focus mm-hmm. on doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, the vinyl thing was fun, but it was one of those things that I, I, I highly doubt I would do again. <laughs> Yeah, unless it was like pre-recorded, I would like not do like. Yeah, why well, uh, that shift? That shift for me, it was fun. But like, I I spent like a whole day in advance creating a playlist. Like, I had my records pulled from the shelf, like queued up. Like, you know, I was only like, running back and like grabbing as I went. Like, I had like a whole stack, everything marked properly, so I could like run through it as fast as possible. But I mean, such a process to go through that. And then you know, you also have the remote going outside, and you got your sports and your news and just. Ugh, too much work. It's fun. A lot of fun. But just I think just the way that station operated, it was too much work. It was some it was some chaotic moments the way that place ran things. Yeah. <laughs> but um let's talk about then in the ten minutes we have left. Yeah. So that way then we can leave it on a cliffhanger. How did you and I then officially meet up? You know better than I do because do I when you yeah because when you came in there was of course yeah so when you came to the station I was well, let me ask you this product, assistant production director yeah so then let me ask you this then because I have no memory of it at all okay but were you there when I was being interviewed for the station or were you not there I'm gonna say likely I was because <laughs> the thing is, it the thing, been... why it's so hard for me to remember is because when we well especially interviewing I mean. When you sit, when you when you're at that station, and you sit on interviews, and, and I know you know this. You have three days of interviews usually, and that amounts to about sixty to seventy people at least over a three day period that you're interviewing. So trying to remember all those people is just impossible unless you hire people. And even then, like I don't remember the the, the time I interviewed those people. So and then, <laughs> and then you then you get your staff together. So like I, I bring on my production staff at this time, and it's Jackson and I, and we've we've hired at that time seven or eight people i think and then most of those people ended up leaving so i mean 
yeah, it's hard to keep count and keep track of of how I'm who I met. Who I and, didn't. I didn't leave. I just never showed up. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up for. I think you showed up for the initial meeting, right? Because I had pizza. And I, stuff. I showed up for one, but you guys had your production meetings when I was in a class, and I was like, I just I can't be there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. So then my question would be then, all right. So I knew you from like maybe one or two meetings because I spent the whole of the first semester just messaging you like, can't be in maybe next week. Yeah. And then, so then I'm trying to remember how you and I really then started to connect after that, you know, separate think, from the production thing. Well, I think it was over the course of time I because a lot of it that I remember was I'd come in and you'd be sitting with your laptop watching or listening to some sort of, of live concert or watching some sort of documentary of some like, like oh, some yeah. Bob Dylan I had later this habit. I had this habit just because um, this is how I am. I would come into the station and while everyone was in the like main DJ, like hangout spot, just like doing whatever they were doing, I would pull up on my laptop, like all these music videos and concert films <laughs> <laughs> and and people would like crowd around and be like, "Ooh, look at this one!" <laughs> this one. And that was just was just was how I became popular at the station. <laughs> I had all this like backlog of material. Yeah, but for, if I recall properly, it was like you'd come in, you'd do that. We, you know, and then you know, we'd have a conversation out of that some in some fashion. That I remember at some point you gave me a copy of was it Let It Be? Because we're talking about how like, oh, I yeah. can find a good copy of it because like all the versions I found were just absolutely like terrible VHS rips. Yeah. And you had a decent quality version that you gave to me. I still think it's on my hard drive somewhere. Mm. Um, and then I think you threw a couple other things on there as well. Then that kind of, you know, just like that, I remember being like some sort of like landmark in our relationship. And then that just kind of moved from there until I think it really got solidified once you decided to start coming to film the band stuff. Mm. Because Which then, then we ended yes. up interacting a lot more outside of the station. Yes, which I say that's a perfect cliffhanger to leave for what hopefully will be the next episode. <laughs> if we can get it scheduled correctly. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, that's that's all you're getting out of us tonight, folks. <laughs> or this morning, whenever you're listening to it. I don't know. But anyways, okay. So I guess we'll, we'll, I'll, we, I, I don't know. We'll use it as a cue to wrap up for this week. Um, thanks for listening to the juke joint, juke joint. I can't talk at all today, apparently. But uh, thanks for listening this far. Uh, If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. At some point we'll be listed on Apple podcasts. If not by the time this episode comes out, but I mean, as of us recording it on the Friday before, uh, nothing yet. So, but you can listen to us on like Spotify and, and Google Podcasts and all of your other favorite podcasting services. And uh, be sure to leave a comment. Let us know if we're doing good, if we're doing bad. That would be cool to know. And uh, you can find the links to all our socials in the show notes. I am uh, Aaron. That is Jacob. This is the Juke Joint. Thanks for hanging out. Bye bye. <laughs>